When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I'm Marnie Vinge, and this is Irioki. Join me and my friends as we explore the darker side of the Sooner State. So we'll go ahead and uh, get started. So um, welcome to Irioki. I'm Marnie Vinge, and today I've got Bryce Holland here with me, and he is going to talk with us about Bigfoot, which is something that I've been getting some messages lately from people kind of wondering, when are you going to talk about Bigfoot? When are you going to talk about Bigfoot? Well, and today we're going to do it. <laughs> <laughs> you can never talk about Bigfoot too much. I'm glad to be here. This is really exciting. Yes. So if you want to introduce yourself and kind of... Uh, yeah. Uh, well, like... Like Marnie said, I mean, I'm, I'm my name's Bryce Holland. Um, I, I live in Norman, Oklahoma. I'm a, I'm a filmmaker. I'm a, I'm a podcaster. Um, and uh, what kind of brought me into this is a few years ago, uh, myself and a, a, a colleague of mine, uh, we made a documentary uh, called "The Town That Bigfoot Built." About, uh, well, it's ostensibly about the the little town of Honubby, Oklahoma. Uh, down in kind of the the southeast part of the state, um, and it, the documentary started out being about the fact that this this little tiny small town um, has a an annual Bigfoot festival that sort of sprung up due to some local legends and and one specific incident which we'll get yes, into here in a yeah, minute. Yes, I'm so excited. Um, and uh, but when we went down there, um, this documentary that we planned on shooting for a weekend, we ended up spending three years down there, um, <laughs> just shooting all kinds of stuff. And, so much uh, fun! You got to go back. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. big time. Um, there was just uh, we discovered this little town that essentially has a an economy built around Bigfoot and and tourism around Bigfoot legends and. So um, cool. Yeah, so that documentary, it's you know, it's available on YouTube. For and I have to watched watch it. And... It's good. It's very good. <laughs> well, thank you. Thank I you. really liked it. Um, so Oklahoma has a pretty long history when it comes to Bigfoot. Um, there are sightings that date back well into the hundreds of years. Um, I went and saw a presentation by Jim Whitehead, which I don't know if you know of him or I, I know the name. A, yeah, he's a, a Bigfoot guy in Oklahoma, and he did a presentation at Anomalous down in Lexington. Um, and I saw that and he talked about how it went back like into the hundreds of years. He had so many like newspaper clippings. It was so cool. Um, but one of the most recent things that happened before the event we're going to talk about was the abominable chicken man of El Reno from 1971. And, um, so this creature was a quote, tall, hairy man-like creature that roamed the area around El Reno. And it's got its name from the fact that it liked to feast on a local farmer's chickens, but after that, there wasn't really anything in the news. Um, however, there have been 58 testimonials taken by the Bigfoot Field Researchers Organization from Oklahoma. The BFRO, yes. yes. I, know, I know those guys well. Yes. They, um, they've got 58 reports since 1971 of activity in Oklahoma. But it wasn't until the winter of 99-2000 
that Bigfoot really made a comeback in the news here. So in that winter, a family in Honabi. Ho- Honabi, yeah. It, Honabi. If, okay. you, if you look at it, it looked when when we first went down there, we thought it was called Honobia. Yes, because that's, that's what it looks like. Phonetically, that's what it looks like. Mm-hmm. But you discover down there, it is Honubby. Honubby, and that is that okay. is the name. And everyone will correct you. And uh, I personally like that name better. Yeah, just, there's something kind of warm about that name. Yeah, I just, it, yeah, I, I, I like yes, it. it. I is, like it. It is Honubby. Okay, so this family in Honubby, Oklahoma had an up-close and personal encounter with what they believe was a Bigfoot. The encounters, and there were multiple um, of those, involved the alleged beast assaulting the family's home, getting meat out of the freezer, and even scaring their kids. They This ended with the family actually leaving town, right? They, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so what what I kind of know about it, um, and I, we, we actually, when we made the documentary, we really wanted to get a hold of... of Tim Humphreys yeah. is his name. We really wanted to get a hold of him. But apparently since this incident um, and and some sort of publicity surrounding it, they sort of vanished from that area. I could not tell you where they are. I mm-hmm. we, we talked to many people that said, some people said, oh, they went to Arkansas. I heard some people say they went to Hevener. I, you know, I, I heard people just say, but th- they, they never came back. They yeah. basically, and from what I understand, um, they sort of just fled in the middle of the night, leaving behind a lot of possessions and leaving food in their freezer like they just they apparently were tired of it all and just mm. up and left and there are wow. still people in that area that know the Humphreys family yeah. and apparently are still in contact with them but uh the the Humphreys family didn't they they really didn't want anything to do with it after what apparently happened yeah. to them and i can imagine that because i think there's a lot of ridicule that goes along with it and like yeah. you had told me that one of the things when people started coming in, like making films about the area, they kind of, it was a hit piece. Yeah. That was something we discovered. Um, when we were, when we started making our documentary, um, we, we came in because we had heard about this Bigfoot festival. Mm-hmm. My, my, my partner and I, we, we realized that we were both very, very interested in, well, basically all things supernatural. Yeah. We loved, you know, but Bigfoot, especially Bigfoot has always been, there's something about monsters in general that has always gotten my imagination going more than, say, uh, you know, ghosts, supernatural yeah. phenomenon like that, or, or aliens. There's something mm-hmm. about terrestrial animals, or you know, that yeah. There's something about it that just it gets my imagination. It's going fun. A lot more. It's yeah, very yeah. fun. And so when we went down there, um, we basically just started walking around with our cameras asking anyone that would talk to us to talk to us. And we realized very quickly that everyone was really standoffish with us. Mm-hmm. Um, nobody really wanted to talk to us. And it, they weren't really rude, but they were just kind of like, no, we, we don't really want any part of mm-hmm. that. And we discovered after talking to a few people that apparently before we had showed up, um, several other groups, but but from what I understand, one group in particular that I believe was associated with either the, the travel channel or the history channel, some, some big network, um, had gone down there to shoot a documentary, got everyone really excited. Cause it was going to be something that was going to air on national television. Yeah. And then when the documentary came out, um, it portrayed Honubi and the people down there in a less than flattering light kind of made them seem like a bunch of, you know, a bunch of hicks out in the woods. Yeah. Um, it, uh, it, it was just, it was not a very flattering piece from what I understand. And so they became, very camera shy around us. Um, but what, and that sort of is what made us want to, what made us come back even more yeah. because that first year we didn't get a whole lot of footage and we thought, 
well, there's something here. Maybe we can, you know, we'll come back next year and people will know us from the year before. If we, you know, can get in their good graces, mm-hmm. they'll, they'll want to talk to us. And sure enough, that's what have been, that's, that's what ended up happening was people, you know, they warmed up to us over the years and, cool. and sort of by the end of it, I mean, we had people that would remember us from year to year. I mean, they would start feeding us. It was, yeah, it's such a wonderful community down there and the event is just so much fun. Yeah. Um, it looks like so much it's, fun. It's a blast. I, I would tell everyone right now, if you ever, or I believe they, they do it basically the first weekend in October mm-hmm. every year, look up the Honubi Bigfoot Festival, go down there. Uh, you will not regret it because it yeah. is really, really fun. It looked so fun from the documentary. Like <laughs> it, it just, it does look like fun. Well, but, but I digress. I, I guess we should talk about you know, okay. the actual the, incident. I, the that incident, yeah, that, that spurred the creation of this Bigfoot Festival. Okay. So yes, his name was Tim Humphreys was the man. He was a lifelong resident of the Kaimichi Mountains. Um, in an article from the Tulsa World, he states that he started noticing, quote, strange screaming and odd looking creatures in the woods about three years prior to the events that led him and his family to leave the town of Honubi. Honubi. Yes. Honubi. Okay. <laughs> um, and so during this particular winter, the animals or beasts or the Bigfoot got right up in the Humphreys' faces, quite literally. One of them, quote, went so far as to stare through a window of the family's home, scaring the hell out of Humphrey's three-year-old daughter. Yeah. Um, well, and you know, that's actually one of the things that that's interesting about this story is that um, it, it it was, it's not just one Bigfoot that, right. that, that happened in this incident. The way the story is told um, is that these, there were multiple creatures. Yes. And the way we understand it is that it, it all sort of culminated in one night where the family was basically their house was essentially attacked by this mm-hmm. family squad pack. Yeah. I, I don't know how we'd describe a group right. of, of, of Bigfoots, of Sasquatches. Um, and they were very much terrorizing their house, throwing rocks at it, throwing sticks at it. Um, and this family was apparently scared to death. And it all culminated in Humphreys went outside with a gun and mm-hmm. apparently, and according to him and according to several other people shot at these creatures and apparently wounded one of them. Yes. And uh, when the when the when the creature got wounded or it fell or something, um, the other ones basically picked it off, picked it up and ran off with the, the body or this wounded, yeah. you know, friend yeah. of theirs and headed off into the woods. Now, I can tell you this, having been up there. It is very possible that something could disappear into those woods because they're it's very it's thick dense. pine forest, yeah. and I mean it just stretches for miles and miles mm. and miles. We we one night uh, went up. There was a, a gentleman that we had met up there who had um, this refurbished military all-terrain vehicle. Oh wow! And he took us completely off road and drove us. I mean, I, it felt like we drove like. Five miles off into just nothingness. Oh, wow. And, and it was really, there's footage in our documentary yeah. of it. Um, it was a full moon that night and mm-hmm. we actually had a night vision scope and we, yeah. we, we had a lot of fun with that. But I mean, we ended up to the point where I was like, I mean, there could have been anything out there. We could have right. done anything and no one would have known. So right. whether you believe that, you know, Bigfoot is real, I do believe something could hide out yeah. in those woods. And I think it's really easy for people who, um, especially like, People who live in the city who have never been out in the actual woods where yeah. you're like out there in the middle of the night, like they kind of discount the experience that these people are having, I think, because yeah, oh, yeah. it's it's yeah. terrifying. Like you're out there and it's it's really scary to be in the middle of the woods and hear something, it whether really, it's a Bigfoot or not. It really is. And 
I should I should say uh, up front that I I can't say whether I fully believe yeah. that that Bigfoot is out there or that mm. it exists. What I can say is that I've heard a lot of stories, and I've been out in the woods enough that I, I entertain the possibility. Now I can say this: I I have never heard a Bigfoot. Yeah, I've never seen anything that I thought was Bigfoot or Sasquatch or, or anything. Okay, um, I've I've never seen anything like that, but. Over the course of making this documentary, and especially talking to to the people that knew Tim Humphreys, because we talked to a lot of people that didn't know the family, and they seemed to, everyone seemed to agree that whether he was, whether this was a made up story or not, the guy himself, Mister Humphreys, was a was a credible man. Mm-hmm. He was not known as some crackpot in the area. People yeah. knew him. He was a respected person in the community, and and still, from what I understand, still kind of well liked in that area. Yeah. Um. But yeah, so his story, you know, there is some weird kind of inconsistencies that crop up in it, Mm -hmm. or at least things that you go, you know, I mean, he says that he shot this apparently like seven plus foot tall creature. So the question is, well, the blood would have been left behind. Why why was no blood or anything? Well, oh, in one of the articles, it said um, one of the people actually, this guy, um, let's see, what was his name? Okay, so the logger, Randall Wright, yeah. um, he says that he saw the spot, but then a storm came that's, and washed it all that's away. That's the way the story goes, yeah. is that a, a rainstorm came in. I mean, here's the thing. It's Oklahoma. We all know that weather can crop up, right. so it's very possible. It does sound a little convenient. It does. <laughs> that, that suddenly a storm came in and washed away all this physical yeah. evidence, but it is possible. There is also the fact that along with this story, there was also a a logger a man an unidentified man no one yes, knows who this guy saw, is yeah. who was apparently dry because there's a, a huge timber industry up there mm-hmm. there's lots of logging trucks all over i mean mm-hmm. all over that area coming down off these mountain roads bringing timber down and um a, according to legend uh, this this one uh, logging truck was driving along and saw these creatures not far from where humphrey's house is crossing a rather major highway and we went out there and we hung out on this this yeah. section of highway and to because there's there's sort of these dumpsters there and the stories that these these bigfoot ran across the road carrying their buddy and went up this hill past these dumpsters up and vanished into the yeah. woods and this guy driving this logging truck apparently saw it now the guy driving the logging truck is unidentified right and i don't think has ever been identified yes yeah but i mean it does add another interesting element to the story because if you know, if true, I mean, then yeah. there was apparently multiple witnesses to this thing. And you don't get that with with Bigfoot stories that right. often. Most of the time, it's one person and you just are sort of having to take their word that they that they saw something that right. they couldn't explain um, or that they are pretty certain was a, a, a Sasquatch. Yeah. Yeah. And this is making me think um, I used to watch when I was a little bit younger probably when I very first started college was about the time that it was around. So maybe like 10 years ago, um, this show called paranormal survivor. Okay. Do you remember that show? I don't think I ever watched that. No, I think it was on sci-fi. I'm not really sure, but it was kind of one of those shows where they would reenact like a paranormal encounter that someone had had and they would tell their story or whatever. And I'm kind of wondering now if this one story that was on there, it was about a family in kind of in the, an area that was the middle of nowhere and they were attacked by a group of beasts that they could not tell what they were. And I'm wondering if it was the Humphreys family story 
that was being told in that episode. It's very possible. The way I, I mean, from what I understand, that story, you know, this happened in, in 2000, 99, mm-hmm. 2000 is when this, this incident apparently took place. Um, and it became relatively famous, at least for a little while. Yeah. Um, and became kind of a big deal. And from what I understand, that's also part of the reason why he and his family just sort of left the area. It became too big of a thing Makes for them sense. to deal with. Um, because pretty much overnight, this very, very tiny little town, and I mean, Honabi is, it's very, very small. Mm. Um, I believe the only real industry that they have is like a, a general store, um, a few churches and a, a campground. Yeah. Um, I mean, really not much. And they they became overnight, the town became like a tourist destination for people wanting to see or wanting to find Bigfoot. And yeah. People coming out there and people would apparently come around to his house. Um, and, oh gosh, and, yeah. Well, and, and apparently there was also people... Um, this is sort of an apocryphal, you know, mm-hmm. uh, side of this, but the there there are there's multiple camps when it comes to Bigfoot, and we discovered this while we were making yeah. our documentary. Um, there and there's lots of theories about what the creature is, what it mm-hmm. can do, how they move around, and everyone. And the thing is, is that everyone is very religious about what they believe. Right. And one of, and, but one thing that's a big thing is the kill or no kill side of Bigfoot organizations. Mm-hmm. There are some organizations, I believe there's even a, a show on, on, uh, uh, Travel Channel, History Channel, maybe it's Animal Planet. Animal Planet, I think. Killing Bigfoot. Oh, wow. Oh, okay. And there are certain people that believe, well, what we need to do is we need to go out in the woods and we need to kill one of these creatures yeah. and bring it back to study. Well, there are a lot of people that say, absolutely not. This is a living creature. We shouldn't kill them. We should try to find them alive. And mm. so that's kind yeah. of interesting. Well, there were, from what I understand, part of the reason why they they left was because... He was, the story that that Humphreys and his family were telling was that these were violent creatures Mm -hmm. coming after them. Yeah. And he tried to shoot at one of them, you know? Um, And there were certain people that were just like, no, you can't, like, how dare you sully the good name of of Bigfoot? Right, right. Um, And it it created a lot of problems, which I believe is is part of what caused him to want to just leave and not want to be in that area anymore. Yeah. It was creating some negative publicity for him. I can imagine. And we, we kind of talked about how... There's like this notion of Sasquatch in the Pacific Northwest. Yeah, and that's something you that's something that you find when you're when you're hearing these stories. So th- I I've discovered and there's there's you can read about this in a lot of different books um and it, it sort of goes back I think even even before then um well the legends go back a long time. Mm-hmm. But one of the the early inst- inst- instances is um so you've got the Patterson Gimlin film mm-hmm. the famous piece of film that almost everyone has seen showing the the Sasquatch the female Sasquatch yes. sort of loping through the woods uh that was shot in Bluff Creek California by by Bob Patterson and, and Bob Gimlin mm-hmm. um and they uh they took this film and it's sort of this this ape-like creature loping through the woods yeah. very gently well you wouldn't shoot something like that in any southern state because the the southern sasquatch the stories that always come out about the southern sasquatch Mm is a they are a lot more wiry they're Mm -hmm. they're very you know these these creatures that are almost always described are very lanky um Mm -hmm. and very monstrous there's there's very few stories about the the southern sasquatch if Mm -hmm. you will that are 
good stories. They're always yeah. they're they're always sort of dangerous, and they sort of portray the the Sasquatch as a meaner, violent, kind of vicious, trying to attack people. Um, it's a scary encounter. Yeah, well, I mean, you can go with the uh, the old movie, The Legend of Boggy Creek, yeah. which, of course, took place yes. in Falk, Arkansas, mm-hmm. um, not terribly far from where Honubi is, actually, right. all things considered. Yeah. Um, that Texarkana area. Um, very, very close by. And the story that the Humphreys tell and the creature they describe and the creature that most people describe out there is very, very similar to the Falk monster uh, right. that is described in the Texarkana area. Um, you know, the Southern Sasquatch is always described as smelling horrific. Yeah. That's one like of the, the things skunk I was getting. Ape. Yeah, like a skunk. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Um, whereas the Pacific Northwest mm-hmm. creature is usually described as bigger stockier sort of like this gentle shepherd of the forest yes um, like like harry and the henderson exactly if you will. that's exactly that's what the I was model picturing. of the 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 northwest yeah. sasquatch it's friendly and there to help in a way but yeah um so other than that in honubby i'm gonna get that eventually <laughs> um there were, let's see, it looks like there was another sighting. I mean, there there are many, many sightings yes. in that area. I mean, I, I would, I dare say almost at least half the population down there probably has some type of story they could tell you. Yes. Because we, we discovered that when we went down there, we interviewed a lot of people. And we had a lot of people that were willing to talk to us, but didn't want to be on camera. Um, and those stories were usually the best ones because... Which I feel like that lends credibility to their story if they're not quite willing to be... It kind of does. Yeah. Um, it's, you know, we would hear some very, very outlandish things, but then mm-hmm. every once in a while you'd hear some stories that you'd, you know, you'd go, wow, there something happened to these people. Yeah. I, I don't know if they saw a Sasquatch, but they had something happen to them that they couldn't reconcile. Yeah. And that's even one of the, um, I believe one of the forestry officials said... It was uh, John Clark. He said, um, a state forester, he said about um, Humphreys, he said it spooked him, whatever it was, in reference to that incident. And um, and I think that that's a lot of these things, they are seeing something, for yeah. sure. No, and I, I do know that there is, I mean, there are bears in that area. Yes, and yeah. That's, and that is a possibility that what people are seeing are, are bears. Mm-hmm. Um, like I said, when as we were doing this, this documentary, um, I, I went in as a true believer. Mm-hmm. I, I was the kind of person like, I mean, I was the kind of person that I would watch the X files, like a documentary series yeah. thinking, Oh, you know, I know that this is scripted, but you know, this stuff actually happens <laughs> based on real events. Yeah. And, um, as we made the documentary, I think I became a little bit more of a skeptic, but that's not to say that I don't think that any of this stuff is real. It's just, I I, I started to look at it with more of a critical eye and yeah. I, you know, I walked away from it less saying, you know, I just, I believe it's real without any evidence and more saying, you know, I want more evidence. I want something definitive. Right. I want something right. that, that is going to say to me, you know, that this is real. Right. You want that thing that's going to make you a believer. Right. Like, yeah, right. I totally, totally get that. Um, okay, so the the other article, the one in 2007, um, it was by the Oklahoman, and it was about Harold Yates, a resident of Honubi, 
got it, sort of, um, who had worked for the state forestry services. And he was quoted as saying, there's something out there. I don't know what it is, but something is definitely out there. And five years prior to the article, um, he had an experience. He was building a log cabin on the Little River, which runs through right the town. Right through the middle of Honubby. Okay. Yeah. Um, he was building a log cabin, and it said, quote, One day Yates was cutting planks on his saw, listening to the piercing sound of wood colliding with a saw blade. He, saw, he says that's when he heard a creature seemingly answer him in a deafening sound that mocked his sawing. He had another experience where rocks were hurled into the river right down below the cabin in the middle of the night. Um, and the, I think that's really interesting. The, um, the sounds that they're supposed to make. <laughs> yeah. I think that, I think there was a little bit of that in the documentary. Weren't they trying to get someone to make a, like a wood knock or a, yeah, yeah. we actually, we, we went out with, um, a group of guys and you know, that's one of the things they talk about is the wood knocks. Yeah. That's, that's something that, that certain, um, uh, Bigfoot researchers mm-hmm. believe in is that these creatures will take large pieces of wood or rocks mm-hmm. or something and bang them really hard against trees. Yeah. And sometimes you'll be out in the woods and you'll hear what sounds like a loud knock, you know, mm-hmm. on, a, on a tree. And that's apparently these these creatures communicating with okay. one another. Um, you'll also hear these, these loud, guttural kind of uh, these whooping noises. Yeah. That um, I believe in the documentary, you hear me trying to mimic one very, yes, very badly. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, but you, uh, you, you hear these, these weird, you know, screams as it mm-hmm. were. And that's apparently these creatures, you know, communicating over, over long distances. Um, interesting. And, you know, that's, that's one of the big pieces of evidence when you go to a lot of these, these Bigfoot conferences or these, mm-hmm. um, these conventions, because they have them all over the country, actually. Um, the one in, in Honubi is just one of, of many. Yes. Um, and not even a very big one, all things considered. Mm-hmm. There's much bigger ones in, in Texas, I believe, and, um, uh, Washington. Um, I would imagine. Yeah. But there are a lot of people that have recordings of so-called vocalizations of these creatures. Yeah. Um, and they'll play them for you. And I won't lie. If I heard one of these noises out in the woods in the middle of the night, um, it would scare the hell out of me. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Like you hear those, the things that they, um, they show on, um, like finding Bigfoot yeah, on Animal yeah. Planet and stuff. And you hear those noises. And I mean, if I was out in the middle of the woods in the middle of the night and I heard that, I would probably be pretty sure that it was something yeah. like maybe a Bigfoot. I I might become a believer at that point. Um, but yeah, um, let's see. And there was there was also a resident, another resident of Honubi, Logger Randall Wright, who we talked about a little while ago. Yeah. Um, he found some tracks that measured over 15 inches long. And one of the things that I thought was really interesting that we discussed was, um, what is the doctor's name that was in the documentary? Dr. Jeff Meldrum. Yeah. Um, Dr. Dr. Meldrum, uh, is, um, he is a anthropologist, a a primatologist actually, um, from Idaho state university. Um, and one of his areas of expertise, um, is very specifically the evolution of primate uh, locomotion, sort of how we learn to walk on on two feet. Um, And he's a fascinating, fascinating guy. Um, The fact that we got to do a sit-down interview with him was really, really interesting because we talked to a lot of people that had these sort of anecdotal stories about about Bigfoot, but he's an actual, I mean, he's a a fairly respected scientist. Um, Mm -hmm. He he actually wrote a book. um, Oh, God, and I'm I'm blanking on the the title. I'll discover it here. I'll think of it here in a minute. But he wrote a a book that is sort of the 
academic Bigfoot text. Okay. Um, and it was a book that was actually enjo- endorsed by Jane Goodall. Oh, the, wow. You know, and I mean, wow, she's yeah. a, she she knows a thing or two about apes. You yeah. Know? Um, and she wrote, uh, I believe she wrote the foreword to that book. Wow. Um, yeah. Um, and in fact, he had tried for a long time to get her to be able to come out because uh, mm. apparently Jane Goodall, I don't think she, she's never seen a Bigfoot. Mm. But the way I understand it is that she is a believer in the possibility. Yes. Well, I've way, heard that. Yeah. And the way uh, Dr. Meldrum puts it, he, he when he talks about Bigfoot um, and he talks about his research, he comes at it from a very scientific, very academic standpoint, and and he almost never uses the term Bigfoot. Mm-hmm. Uh, what he'll sometimes say is he believes in the possibility of the existence of a large, undiscovered North American primate. Yeah. Which sounds a lot better than Bigfoot. Oh, yeah, yeah. And, and it makes it sound like, I mean, when you put it in those terms, you can go, oh, well, we're just talking about an animal here. And that's mm-hmm. the way he, he says it. And um, he, he, is, he told us, uh, you know, that... You know, he's never seen a Bigfoot. He He's never had any encounter that would, you know, lead him to believe that he was mm-hmm. near a Bigfoot. But he's been called out to investigate things. And based on the evidence that he has seen and he has collected, um, it, it points to the existence of a large undiscovered north american primate yeah um and he, he sort of goes into into detail in, with us at least he did um about a lot of these tracks that you'll that you'll find or people say that they will find he he, he talked to us at great length about how you can't fake them the way people mm-hmm. think that they're faking them. that the way right. that the way a foot moves through the mud and the way you know a, a, a large ape would walk through you know something that would leave a track the track would be left in a certain way, whereas if someone was just taking, you know, some type of device and pressing it into the mud, yeah. it would just be kind of a flat stamp. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when you're hearing a very respected academic, yeah. and I know that he, he's a controversial guy, because from, mm-hmm. from what I understand, um, at, like even at his own university, there's a lot of people that think he's a crackpot, but... yeah. Um, He's very, very well respected by a lot of people, and he doesn't just do Bigfoot stuff. It just happens to be sort of a, a side thing that he yeah. does, and that he's become a little famous for. Right. Um, but he's a he's a really, really smart guy, and you know when he talks to you in terms, you know, about the scientific method and yeah, you know, going going through all this stuff, um, he can make a, a bit of a believer out of you. Yeah, I I would imagine so. I think if you were talking to somebody that they had that kind of authority, it would it would be. A lot easier to say, oh, well, if I can definitely imagine that there was an, absolutely a large undiscovered primate in North America. That sounds like total like, yeah, I'm buying that. Um, one of the things I wanted to ask you about about all of that was um, when you were doing the documentary and when you were talking to people and um, seeing different things and hearing different stories, what was the most or of anything you've ever seen that has to do with Bigfoot? What is the most compelling evidence that you've seen? Or heard or um it, it's hard to say because pretty much all all the evidence that I saw was all very anecdotal. Mm-hmm. We we did go out in the woods with a lot of these these Bigfoot researchers. Um we went out with a group of guys from the um, Mid America Bigfoot Researchers Organization. Yeah. And we also went out with a group of guys from the uh Bigfoot uh mm-hmm. BFRO, the Bigfoot uh Bigfoot Field Researchers Organization. Um and while we were out there, there was nothing that I saw or that happened or that we heard that I would ever think was Bigfoot. I, yeah. I, I, I grew up in rural Oklahoma, um, mm-hmm. kind of on that side of the state. I, I kind of grew up out in the woods, and so I know what the woods sound like. And so while I was out there, I heard normal 
woods sounds. Yeah. You know, I, I didn't hear anything out of the ordinary. Um, but we would hear stories from people that were, you know, we, we'd hear some stories that were just a little too outlandish. And I'd just be like, come on, you, you, mm-hmm. you didn't, you know, you, you, you saw a bear, you saw a large cat right. or something you know, off in the distance. Maybe even you saw a dog or something. Mm-hmm. But then every once in a while we'd get someone that would come up to us and they would tell a, a story and you could almost like sort of see it in their eyes. It was so, so much of this and so much of what I found compelling mm-hmm. was that I don't know if these people saw Bigfoot. Mm-hmm. But they experienced something, some event in their life happened that they couldn't explain. And they've reconciled it as right. seeing one of these large creatures. And you can only hear so many of those stories, you know, and laugh them off before you start to go, I don't know, maybe there maybe there is something yeah. out there. Yeah. Um, the, the evidence that we would hear from Dr. Meldrum was very, very compelling because, like I said, he was an academic. He he went on record as saying, you know, he had never seen a Bigfoot, but that, you know, this, what he has found, he believes to be legitimate, that it's it's not something mm-hmm. that, that could have been faked, at least in his estimation. Right. Um, you know, it's... It's a hard thing to talk about because I, you know, one of the things that we also learned in the course of making this documentary is um, people people get very defensive about uh, yeah. their their Bigfoot beliefs. Um, yeah. it's, it's not something that you want to uh, laugh about mm-hmm. um, because, like I said, it, it's apparently whatever's happening that people are interpreting as Bigfoot is it's a very personal experience. It's a very it's it's something that that. It stays with them for a long time because I've mm-hmm. never, I, one of the things I, I we, we talked to a few people that would tell stories about they had an experience when they were a kid or something and now they were a grown man and their story, like they never, they never eventually got to a point where they were like, ah, I know, I now know that it wasn't Bigfoot. Right. It's something where they thought it was Bigfoot then and they still think that it was mm-hmm. Bigfoot now. Yeah. And who am I to say that it wasn't? Right. Yeah. Yeah. I, um, one of the things that I thought was so interesting in the documentary is the gentleman who talked about, um, like the Native American side of things. And he talked about how the word for Bigfoot, and I can't remember which language it was, but it means forget. Uh, uh Choctaw. Okay. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. In, in Choctaw. Um, yeah, that was Daryl. Daryl okay. was, he was like, awesome. He was, he was a, a, a Choctaw man. Uh, I'm, I'm a Choctaw as well. Mm. Um, and he, basically grew up in that area you know that's the choctaw nation of oklahoma is, yeah. is where that that whole area is so a lot of the folklore there um it it stretches you know the the stories of of settlers and 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 white people you know mm-hmm. hearing about or seeing bigfoot out there um stretches to about you know sort of the the early 1900s late 1800s mm-hmm. um but the the native folklore in that area stretches back much much further right and um they you know, Daryl, boy, Daryl, his stories and, and sort of the, the local, um, that, that folklore aspect of it, um, you know, the stories they would tell come from a much more, um, a spiritual standpoint. And mm-hmm. a lot of times they would sort of describe, um, the, the creatures that they were seeing as, um, a bit more in line with that, uh, Pacific Northwest yeah. style of, mm-hmm. of, of Bigfoot, um, a much more of a, a protector, much more of a, a gentle creature. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not until you start hearing, you know, uh, uh, the sort of the settler tales yeah. coming in, um, when Oklahoma's being, you know, yeah. settled and everything that the stories start to get a bit more sinister. Yeah. And I thought uh, what I really liked about that was, um, the idea that, 
the name of the creature was forget because it was like people who had seen it had to have had some kind of trauma that they needed to forget and they needed to become obsessed with finding the creature again. Yeah. Um, there, you know, that is something that, that, uh, we sort of discovered in, mm-hmm. in the course of, of doing all this is, um, a lot of people that, that I, that we would talk to that, that had experiences, um, sometimes they would sort of casually mention that they had experienced some sort of trauma in their life. And mm-hmm. there is sort of this, this notion or, or, um, uh, there are some people that believe, um, uh, that, these creatures are a bit more supernatural, um, a bit more um, uh, ethereal in nature, mm-hmm. and that really the only people that see them are people that have had some type of trauma in their life. Um, it almost reminds me of those those weird horse creatures from Harry Potter. Oh, yeah. Um, um, the Thestrals. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There we go. Yeah. You have to have seen someone die to be exactly. able to see them. And yeah. I always thought that was kind of interesting. Yeah. Um, yeah. The, the notion of, you know, seeing Bigfoot as sort of a reaction to, you mm-hmm. know, something something very heavy that's happened to you. Yeah. That's so that that to me is so interesting. And one of the things you just mentioned was um, the what is the the Mid-America Bigfoot? Uh, Yeah, the Mid-America Bigfoot Field Researchers Organization. Okay, how do they how do those two groups differ? Like, Um, well, some of it has to do with um, their their funding. Um, uh, you know, these groups will just pop up. Um, I mean, I I think a lot of these groups are just formed by, you know, like minded people that Mm -hmm. that, you know, get together in certain areas and a lot of them form based on, you know, uh, sort of the locality of where they are. Um, the, the BFRO, um, I do know they, I, I don't believe they were founded this way. Maybe they were, I, I don't know a lot about their, their mm-hmm. inner workings. I just know the guys that I've you know talked yeah. to. Um, but they were, I believe founded by a guy or at least funded by a guy who had quite a bit of money. Um, mm-hmm. To the point where they were able to get involved early on doing pretty big TV shows and, yeah. and stuff like that. Because I believe a lot of those guys were involved with um, you know, some of the stuff that you saw cropping up on Animal Planet yes. and stuff mm-hmm. like that. The Mid-America guys, um, they, uh, at least the people we talked to, I believe they were based out of the Kansas City area. Okay. Um, whereas the BFRO, I think, was based more out of like, I want to say Texas, but okay. I, I could be wrong about okay. that. Yeah. Um, it's... Uh, I, I feel like, I mean, to be completely honest, talking to a lot of these guys, I, I don't feel like they their their methods or the stuff they believe is terribly mm-hmm. different. I think that these these groups uh, are different a lot of times having to do with egos. Yeah. I think that egos get involved and, you know, mm-hmm. people want to take credit for stuff. Or, yeah. You know, they want to be in the spot. I, I think that's really the main difference between a lot of them. I can imagine that. Um, but yeah, that's... Bigfoot in Oklahoma is, uh, it's, I, I was talking to somebody yesterday who, um, did not know that we had any kind of Bigfoot lore here and it's a big thing here. It's a very, very big thing Mm -hmm. actually. And in fact, so much so that when you go down to that Southeast part of the state, when you're down near Honubi, uh, Tallahena down, Mm -hmm. down to, to Broken Bow, Beaver's Bend, um, those, those areas down there, um, there are signs. Bigfoot is a part of the iconography down yeah. there. It is. It is a part of the advertising. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's it's a big deal. You start getting into that area, um, and you know, it's it's something that it has been really, really beneficial because you're talking about an area that is, or at least has been in the past, sort of economically depressed. Yeah. Um, and Bigfoot has revitalized a lot, which of that is area. really cool. So, so a lot of those people yeah. will see Bigfoot, whether they they believe in it or not. 
Bigfoot is their savior. You yeah. Know, brought tourist dollars to there. And, yeah. and to me, that's, you know, that's pretty amazing. That that's, is amazing. And that was something that, that was the big thing that spurred our documentary, which yeah. is why we called it the town that Bigfoot built. Because mm-hmm. Honubi was a, a little nothing town, mm-hmm. beautiful, gorgeous, but not a whole lot there. Right. And Bigfoot made it a tourist destination. It's so crazy. It's amazing. Yeah. I'm definitely going to have to go to the festival this year, I think. It is. I, I highly recommend it. Yeah. It's, it's the thing I would also recommend doing mm-hmm. if you, if you go down there is you got to camp. You okay. Gotta, you got to, cause you got to have the full experience. There's, there's no real hotels in the area. There is, <clears throat> excuse me. Um, there is uh cabins that you can rent mm-hmm. nearby. Um, but you got to stay at the campground at yeah. the festival and you, you got to camp at it because okay. what they'll do late at night um, during the festival is they will have big bonfires where people mm-hmm. can sit around and they, they have like an open forum where people can come up and tell their Bigfoot story. Oh, that's so cool. And so it's sort of campfire, you know, people yeah. roast and marshmallows and everything and people will just get up and say, you know, hey, when I was a kid, I saw this or, mm-hmm. you know, not that long ago, I... I saw something or I heard something that I couldn't explain. And that's, yeah. that stuff's really, really fun. That sounds so much fun. That sounds awesome. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Um, thank you so much for all of this wonderful Bigfoot knowledge. Oh, it's, like, it's my this pleasure. Is... I, 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 you know, it's been, it's been several years since we made the documentary, but I don't get sick of talking about it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, when we, when we made it, um, we, we put it into a few festivals. Um, it, you know, it didn't really go very far that way, but it found this interesting little life on YouTube, which is where we've got it for anyone to watch. You know, you can yeah. search the town that Bigfoot built, um, and it's just out there for, for anyone that wants to watch it, which is, it's, we still get comments and stuff, mm-hmm. sending us messages. It's been up there for about, uh, <coughs> probably right at seven years now, I think. I think it, was it 2012? Yeah, I think when it was, it was 2012 okay. when we, when mm-hmm. we finally got it posted and so okay. it's uh yeah it's just out there and i was for... looking through the comments and like there are recent like people yeah. just talking about their different experiences and that kind of that <clears throat> to me is really cool that people like it's making people kind of talk about that and yeah like, yeah that's a, that's a cool thing it's it's been a bit of a unifier for people and yes. people seem to respond real positively to it all the mm-hmm. all the time and so you know yeah. it's, it's something we're pretty proud of still that's awesome that's awesome. Well, um, if there's anything that you want to plug, like a podcast or a, uh, uh, no, other than the film, I mean, yeah, no, I mean, I don't really have uh, have anything uh, in the works right now or anything mm-hmm. like that. Um, yeah, uh, I'm kind of on hiatus from some podcast stuff yeah. that I've been working on. Um, okay. But uh, you know, I mean, if if anyone's interested in anything I'm doing, uh, I'm pretty active on Instagram. Yeah, so you go can, for that. Yeah, yeah, you can find me at uh, at uh, Bryce B Holland mm-hmm. on on Instagram. Uh, but yeah, that's that's pretty much awesome. what I've got. <laughs> All right. Well, it's been super fun. You guys follow us on Instagram at Irioki. Facebook is the same. And if you've got a story about Bigfoot that you want to tell me, you can email me at podcast at gmail.com. And I would be more than delighted to hear that. So that's it for this week.